Have you ever felt like you wasted an entire season of your life? Ever kicked yourself for waiting too long to start something or felt like you stayed stuck in a holding pattern for too long? Maybe you're experiencing that right now. Well, over the years, I've noticed that when I feel that way, reading the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis can be incredibly helpful. And so that is what today is all about. Welcome to A Story of Scripture, a standalone episode from Stories in Scripture. The Bible is a library of 66 books written by 40 different authors over the course of 1,500 years. And yet, it all tells one story. This is a podcast dedicated to telling the big story of Scripture one piece at a time. Let's get going. Joseph's eyes shot open. He'd had plenty of dreams before in his first 17 years of life, but this one felt different, clear, detailed, and real, almost as if it hadn't been a dream at all, but a glimpse into the future. He usually woke up feeling groggy, but this morning he was wide awake. He rolled off his cot, grabbed his favorite robe, and sprinted out into the field to find his brothers. Listen to this dream, he yelled out to his brothers from far away. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before me. Out of all the responses Joseph was expecting to hear, silence wasn't one of them. His brothers just glared at him, confusion anger, and hate on their faces. See, Joseph was already their least favorite brother. He was number 11 out of 12 and was his father's favorite child. So he was the spoiled one, the little brother who always got his way. And now that little brother has a dream about his brothers bowing before him and feels compelled to tell them all about it. So of course the brothers are frustrated with Joseph. Now, spoiler alert, That ends up happening. At the end of the story, the brothers end up bowing down before Joseph and Joseph saves their lives. But that's not what this episode is all about. This episode is about the 22 years that happened in between the dream and the completion of the dream. 22 years of pain and detours and confusion and betrayal. That's a long time for a dream to be hanging out in your heart unresolved. That is what we are talking about today. Because as you can imagine, Joseph's 10 older brothers aren't too happy with him. So they take matters into their own hands and this is where things get pretty brutal. First, they kidnap and plan to kill him, but instead they sell Joseph into slavery in Egypt. So he ends up in a far off land working at the home of a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar was one of Pharaoh's officials and is the captain of the guard. He's kind of a big deal, but Joseph works hard and eventually earns favor in Potiphar's sight. In fact, he gets promoted and becomes Potiphar's right-hand man. Notice the pattern you're starting to see in Joseph's life. He has a favor, a favor that's hard to explain outside of God working behind the scenes. Unfortunately, 
He also catches the attention of Potiphar's wife. And there is this whole scandalous scene that I'm just going to read right from the Bible to show you that it's actually in there. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Joseph refuses the offer constantly and then one day is essentially framed and made to look like he's the one who made the advances. Now remember, Potiphar is the captain of the guard. You know, the one in charge of the world's largest army in the known world. Not the situation you want to be in if you're Joseph. That could have easily cost him his life. But instead, he gets thrown into an Egyptian prison and is left there to rot. So, if you're keeping track at home, the hero of our story was betrayed and kidnapped by his brothers, sold into slavery in Egypt, framed by the captain of the guard's wife, and thrown into prison. Not really the journey you'd think for one of the most influential characters in all of scripture. And then there is this short, often overlooked verse in the Bible, Genesis 41.1, that says, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. Now we'll get to the dream in a second. I want to stop and talk about the first part of that verse. When two full years had passed. Two years. That's a long time to be in an Egyptian prison. Remember, this is the hero of our story. If there is anything I've learned from following God, it's that our timeline and God's timeline often look very different. God tends to not be in such a rush. Joseph, the hero of the story, wakes up in a jail cell every day for two years, probably assuming his story is over. And all we get is half a verse explanation. It's easy to read these stories in scripture and assume these men and women were always on these mountaintop moments, experiencing God and loving life, but it's just not true. Sometimes you're on the chapter in your story where you have to sit in an Egyptian prison for two years. My friend Heather was the first writing mentor I ever had. She's the director of a major film festival, so she has hundreds if not thousands of people submitting their films to her every year. Heather knows stories and the writing process better than anybody I've ever met. Well, 10 years ago, I was working on a documentary with my friends about a trip we took around the world, and Heather was gracious enough to give me notes along the way. And when I say she gave me notes, I mean she gave me notes. Like more than the, this is so great, keep going type notes. I'm talking about the, that part makes no sense, rework it type of notes. She wasn't there to give me cold comfort. She was there to make me a better writer. And if you've ever tried to create anything, you know the only way to get better is to have the thing you wrote ripped apart. It's a beautifully brutal process, but it's worth it. Every time we sat down, Heather would pull out the latest draft, covered in red ink from all her edits, and then we'd talk and talk 
talk about crafting stories and she'd give me all this feedback. It was amazing, but I'll never forget the things she said at our final meeting. We finally finished the film. We were celebrating and reflecting on all the days of work that went into it. And I sighed and said, I just feel like there was a faster route to get to this final product. When I look back on the process, I feel like we wasted a lot of time. She stops, gets serious and says, not wasted, nothing wasted. Out of all the wisdom she shared with me, those words may be the most impactful. She went on to explain that when it comes to the writing process, nothing is wasted. It's all part of it. There are no non-stop trips to final products. You have to make all sorts of layovers and take detours and try things and love things and hate things and crumple up papers and go for walks and give up and try again and quit sometimes and get pump up talks from your friends and persevere. And if you do that long enough, sometimes you can arrive at finished products. And every once in a while, you can even arrive at a finished product that you actually like. But the brilliant reframe is when you start realizing that none of those stops are wasted along the way. They aren't in the way, they're on the way to the finished product. Well, I'm convinced that's not just true about the creative process, it's also true about life. And it's one of the reasons why I love Joseph's story so much. And with that, let's go back to the Egyptian prison. Two years go by, Joseph sitting in his jail cell, probably assuming his dreams are dead. But then, Joseph gets this chance to interpret the dream that Pharaoh had about how he was standing by the Nile River. Now that's a big deal. That's like being in prison in the United States and then being asked to meet with the president. And if you're wondering how that happened, you can go read all about it. But here's a spoiler. It was God weaving together a series of unfortunate events and evil acts from other humans to get Joseph to where he needed to be. Are you starting to see a pattern here? So Joseph interprets a dream for Pharaoh and tells him there are going to be seven years of favor followed by seven years of famine which is a gift to know beforehand because it means you can use the good years to prepare for the bad. Pharaoh is so impressed that he says, well, Joseph, I want you to be the guy to oversee all of this. So now Joseph goes from two years of sitting in prison, thinking his dream is dead, to being Pharaoh's right-hand man, essentially second in command in all of Egypt. And things happen exactly as he said. For seven years, things are good. Joseph stores away a whole bunch of food, but then famine hits and people struggle all across the land, including back in Canaan, where all of his brothers are. You see where this is heading, right? Eventually, they get desperate enough to find food and end up venturing into Egypt. And who do you think they stand before? Or shall we say bow before? Joseph, just like the dream had said 22 years earlier. Now, why say all this? 
And what does any of it have to do with all that wisdom Heather shared with me about writing? Well, one of the big realizations I've had from Joseph's story is that God doesn't waste a thing. When I was complaining to Heather about how much time I wasted writing all those things that didn't make the final draft, she was quick to remind me that you can't get to the 20th draft without the first 19. My goodness, I sure wish you could. It's just, it's, that's not how it works. Which means the first 19 drafts aren't wasted. Nothing is wasted. They're stepping stones along the way to the final product. The journey is a crucial part of the whole thing. Imagine if God had promoted Joseph when he was a 17-year-old arrogant kid. When he was a young kid running around telling his brothers they would bow to him one day, he wasn't ready for that kind of responsibility. Joseph wasn't nearly humble enough to lead. He would have let it immediately go to his head, but God took him on this wild journey that included a lot of difficult moments, and he came out the other side a true leader ready to lead with humility. When his brothers realized it was Joseph, the younger brother they shipped off to Egypt, who was now in charge, they were obviously terrified, scared that Joseph was going to have them killed. But instead, Joseph says this famous line, do not be afraid. And then get this, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Only a truly humble human can say that line in that circumstance and mean it. Only someone who has been through a lot can stand in that tension and choose love over hate. And so, I wonder what parts of your life feel like they are in a holding pattern right now. I wonder what frustrating roadblocks you are running into as you pursue the dream or the calling you feel like God has on your life. I wonder how much frustration you feel at times as you wonder if you are wasting time trying to get to where you want to be. What if we learn to reframe all the pain all the frustrations and all the detours. They aren't in the way, they're on the way. They are a part of the process. God didn't make them happen, but he isn't going to waste them either. This season you are in is your teacher, even if it's teaching you what not to do. Like Joseph, I wonder if God is getting you ready to be able to handle the influence and impact you want to have. And I wonder what would happen today if we stopped getting frustrated at the detours and started saying thank you for them. I know that's a lot easier said than done. I'm preaching mostly to myself here, but what if we learn to repeat this phrase to ourselves every time something happens that we don't like, didn't want, or makes us feel like we're wasting time? God will work this together for good. The addiction you can't seem to break. God will work this together for good. The relationship you can't seem to mend. God will work this together for good. 
the relationship you can't seem to find. God will work this together for good. The insecurity you can't get over. God will work this together for good. The goal you can't seem to complete. God will work this together for good because God will work on your circumstances in the middle of your trial, but he will also work on you. And I know enough to know that while we tend to obsess with calling, God tends to care more about character. So much of this life is out of our control, but one of the things we can control is we can always be becoming the person we want to be. So whatever the detour, whatever the distraction, what if you realize the same thing Joseph realized as his brothers stood before him begging for their lives? What the world or the enemy meant for evil, God will find a way to use for good because it's not wasted. Nothing's wasted. Thank you for listening to this standalone episode of Stories in Scripture. To find out more about this project, visit our website, storiesinscripture.com. Follow us on Instagram at storiesinscripture. And please be sure to rate and review this podcast. We hope this episode helped bring scripture to life a little more for you today. We'll see you next time for another story.